Disappearing Island Nations, and other stories this July 6th, 2014. I'm Franny Halperin. And I'm Jamie Sudler. And it's This Week in Water. According to a story in today's Los Angeles Times, the National Park Service is sounding the alarm over two proposed developments in the Grand Canyon. The first development is east of the popular South Rim area and is being planned by the Navajo Nation. It comprises hotels, restaurants, and shops, all of which, according to the Park Service, would destroy the pristine views from the South Rim. The plans include a gondola to be built to take tourists from the top of the canyon to the floor. The second development proposes a major housing and commercial project, which, according to the Park Service, threatens the ecology and water supply on the South Rim. The Navajo Nation still has not approved the first development, which includes the gondola. The town of Tusayan has already approved the second development. However, the Forest Service has yet to agree to the needed road access for the project. So far in 2014, Oklahoma has seen more earthquakes than California, and seismologists are linking them to the injection of wastewater from oil and gas exploration. Before the oil and gas boom got underway in 2008, Oklahoma averaged about one earthquake a year. So far in 2014, there have been more than 230 earthquakes. A study published last week in the journal Science by researchers from the University of Colorado as well as other institutions traced the large number of earthquakes to just four wells southeast of Oklahoma City. Those wells were pumped with significantly higher amounts of wastewater than the thousands of other disposal wells in the state. The findings were the first to show that waste wells can trigger earthquakes up to 25 miles away from an injection site. State geologists have suspended or halted wastewater injections in several states, including Colorado and Ohio, after earthquakes rocked areas near wells. On Thursday, July 3rd, rafters on the Clark Fork River in western Montana saw something that no one ever expected to see. At first, they thought there had been a bizarre plane crash, but they later learned instead that there had been a train wreck. A freight train above the river had derailed, and three Boeing 737 airplane fuselages fell down the embankment. At least two slid into the river. Boeing said that the train was carrying six 737 bodies. No injuries were reported from the crash, and the cause is not known. The airplane bodies were being transported from Kansas City to Renton, Washington, for final assembly. State officials closed the affected stretch of the river to rafters and others, but it was expected to open soon. It was not known what would happen to the 737 fuselages. The tiny island nation of Kiribati now has a Plan B. The country in the western Pacific Ocean, which sits barely six and a half feet above sea level, is disappearing due to rising ocean levels brought on by climate change. Their solution? Buy another island. Kiribati President Anate Tong recently finalized the purchase of Fiji's second largest island, Vanua Levo, some 2,000 miles away. 
the 7.7 mile square stretch of land cost $8.7 million, and President Tong told the Associated Press that the government plans to use it for agriculture and fish farming. But if things get really bad for its 103 inhabitants, it will become their new home. Sea levels in Kiribati are rising fast, about a half inch per year, about four times faster than the global average. For years, Tong has claimed that Kiribati is the face of climate change and that his country's fate will serve as a warning for other nations, including the coastal regions of the United States. This year, the Kiribati government organized a competition for the best song on climate change. The subtle refrain from the winning song, the angry sea will kill us all. A green sea turtle recently swam from the Cocos Island National Park in Costa Rica to the Galapagos Marine Reserve in Ecuador. The journey of almost 900 miles is the first confirmed turtle migration between the two protected areas. The turtle named Sanjay was one of three who had been tagged by researchers trying to understand the connection between the two regions of the Pacific Ocean. Sea turtles and other endangered species are safe in the internationally recognized protected marine zones, but they fall prey to fishing hooks and nets in between the two safe havens. Biologists have long thought that, and have now confirmed that the turtles close to Costa Rica were linked to those near the Galapagos due to their genetic similarities, and they now hope that Sanjay's travels will encourage more conservation practices between the two protected safe zones. Most coral reefs in the Caribbean could vanish in 20 years if no action is taken. That, according to a UN-backed study released last week. The threat is due to the decline of sea urchins and parrotfish, grazers that eat algae that can smother coral reefs. A comprehensive analysis by 90 experts conducted at nearly 100 Caribbean locations since 1970 showed that the region's corals have declined by more than half. Overfishing of parrotfish and a mysterious 1983 urchin disease let the algae thrive in the popular tourist region. The study reported that recovery was still possible, however, if restrictions are placed on fishing and pollution. And although climate change was not cited as a direct factor, warmer, more acidic seas do put stress on coral ecosystems. A team of scientists, including Joe Roman of the University of Vermont, have concluded that the great whales play a large part in the functioning of oceans and the storing of carbon. And all of this, the study concludes, contributes to maintaining healthy fishing areas. Great whales have huge metabolic demands, as you might imagine. They eat many fish and invertebrates. After digesting what they eat, the whales poop and distribute nutrients through the water. The whales eat near the bottom of the oceans, but poop near the top, which nourishes plankton growth in a process the researchers are calling the whale pump. After a whale dies, its carcass drops to the seafloor and provides habitat for many species that only exist on what they call whale falls. Whale carcasses store a remarkable amount of carbon in the ocean. One of the scientists stated that dozens, possibly hundreds of species depend upon these whale falls in the deep sea. 
The researchers speculate that humans may have caused some invertebrate species to become extinct due to overhunting the great whales. The hope is that this new research will lead people to see how the whales do not compete with fishers, but rather support the natural cycle of the oceans in sustaining fisheries. And finally, as the adage goes, desperate times call for desperate measures. And in California, things are getting more desperate since the drought emergency was declared in January. Californians have cut their water consumption by, drumroll please, 5%. Yes, that's all, just 5%, and it's a far cry from the 20% that Governor Jerry Brown called for. So, faced with apparent indifference to alarm bells, cities across California are amping up their response and encouraging residents to rat out their neighbors for wasting water. And it seems to be working. Sacramento, for example, has received more than 6,000 reports of water waste this year, up 20-fold from last year. Some drought-conscious Californians are not just snitching, they're shaming. On Twitter, radio shows, and elsewhere, Californians are calling out their friends and family for long showers, washing cars and driveways, or lawns that look a skosh too green. Officials at water agencies deny that it's vindictive or petty, preferring to call it educational, but the signs are there that pitting neighbor against neighbor can be a win for utilities. Or is it? In Santa Cruz, officials are fielding complaints about residents who seem to be using tight water restrictions a little too eagerly to settle old grudges. What might really be anger about a yappy dog or an RV in the driveway might come in the form of an anonymous tip to a water conservation hotline. This Week in Water is a production of H2O Radio. Learn more at h2oradio.org.